Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I have a a food question for you. Oh, I love food. So what is your go-to summer dinner? Ooh. Okay. If I could have Brian grill every single day, that's what I would do. Okay. Typically, though, we don't have time for that. And it just gets hot. Like, it's hot grilling outside. And so what I will have him do over the summer is smoke, like, a whole bunch of chicken, like, on a Sunday because it takes a couple hours. And then he will, like, slice some of it. He'll shred some of it. And then he'll leave some as chicken breast. And so then throughout the week – we might just make like, I love a good chicken salad that I'll make off of that or a quesadilla or just like eat some of that with crackers. But we're definitely like significantly lighter meals throughout the summer because it gets so hot here. Yeah. I'm struggling with, I, you know, I have meal planned for years Mm -hmm. and this is the second summer where we'll have a pool and I just felt like last year I had grand plans to make a lot more food <laughs> than mm-hmm. I actually want to mm-hmm. with having a pool. And I don't know if it's just like being outside more. I want to like have more snacky, small. Well, you know meals. what I would do if I were you is, well, first, do you like mustard? Do you like? Yeah. Okay. So the chicken salad that I make is a mustard base because I don't like cream based chicken salad. Sure. So I can definitely give you the recipe for that because it's chilled. Like I think chilled snacks throughout the summer, especially by the pool are really great. So what I would honestly do is instead of meal prepping meals is meal prep like dips and salads. Uh So do like a cucumber salad and then this chicken salad and then I don't know, something else just so you could have like crackers, veggies, whatever to just like eat with it outside, I think would be super easy and still filling. Yeah. The main thing is I don't want to heat up the whole kitchen. Yeah. So I would just like you scoop it out of the, right. Out of the fridge. I just bought, you're going to LOL. I, those who say that you can't make sales off a of TikTok, 
don't know me (laughs) because I am the most easily influenced person from Instagram or TikTok. And I have bought at least two things. No, way more than that. Some of the things (laughs) that I've bought from TikTok recommendations are like Amazon stuff, like it's beauty supplies. And so I've definitely bought beauty stuff from there where someone's like giving a wreck after like they've used this serum or whatever. But I've supported two, at least two specific small businesses on TikTok where they're like, here's my shop and I make these cute shirts. And I like really loved their things. And so I bought a shirt. But literally last night, I bought a cookbook that's just meal prep. So I follow one person because, you know, I'm just not a huge meal prep person. It's not a thing for me. However, the way that this person does it, it just feels a little bit different. And like all of the recipes that I've seen her share, they're like, oh my God, I would actually eat that. Yeah. And so I bought her book. It was like 30 bucks and I get a digital copy and then she's going to mail me one like later in May. It's just spiral bound. Like it's nothing fancy, but I'm going to give it to our PA when she comes on Mondays and just be like, pick something light and fun. I'll like flag a couple of them and I'm going to have her start prepping them because we need some lunches. It's not for dinner. It's for lunch that we need. And so these are specifically individual serving meal preps. So for like for lunch. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'll let you know. (laughs) Keep me posted. I will. Okay, so today we're having what feels like part two of a conversation that we had part one with our friend Jess Ely back in December of 2019. So this is like the longest like part two that's ever come about, but some new language has come up around this conversation and we just wanted to chat about it. Yeah, so I was watching a TikTok of all things, which I don't actually think was developed for TikTok, but that's besides the point. Mm -hmm. It was a clip of Mel Robbins talking and she was talking about bias and she was specifically talking about the bias towards action or towards thinking. Mm -hmm. And I watched the whole thing and I was like, this is the beer doer thing. This is the beer doer thing. And so I sent it to Emily immediately. And then I was like, okay, well, I think what's really helpful here is oftentimes when you have expressed a feeling, but you don't have the words that like other people are using, it can be really isolated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so saying you're a beer or a doer, likely only makes sense if you're like in our world or you know who Jesse you know is. Like about. it's not mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a commonly accepted thing. But the way she was talking about it leads me to believe there is a lot of scientific study around these biases. And the the thing that was <sighs> alarming enough for me to want to do a part two so many years later mm-hmm. was there was this essentially scientific background about how if you have a bias towards action, you're more likely to be happier, yeah. healthier, and more successful. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh. <laughs> so what does that mean for other types of bias? And I'm wondering, and this is not necessarily something we're challenging on a scientific level, 
But knowing that you and I have slipped back and forth between both, do you think someone who has a bias towards thinking can have a bias towards action? And do you think they could you like use that as a lever, like turn themselves into an action taker? And that's the part that I really want to focus on because I think what I get frustrated with when we look at I mean, anything, honestly, whether you're talking about a diagnosis like ADHD, or you're talking about depression, or I mean, anything, like, why do all of these things that describe how we act psychologically have to all of a sudden have an angle towards something negative? And like, what's the positive spin we can take? And is there a way that if we do prefer how something could benefit us, is there a way to like manipulate our mind and like change how we act? Well, I love this conversation and I find it so interesting because over the years I have shifted from being an action taker to being a thinker in different parts of my life. Like I've ebbed and flowed. And Jess Ely gives her example in that podcast where she it has a bias towards thinking or she's a beer in her terms. And that's who innately she is as a person. Well, in order for her to start taking action, her belief is that beers have to believe something about themselves first before mm-hmm. they will take action. Mm-hmm. And what Mel Robbins is saying is that when you are uncertain and you're unsure and you lead towards thinking or in a way from doing is where you will like get stuck and where you will create a habit of just overthinking. If you've called yourself an overthinking overthinker, that's where you are. Right. And it could be about anything, but Jess gave the example about how she wanted to transition out of the, just the beer. And she wanted to try to believe something about herself in order to believe that she was an action taker. And so she started super tiny. Like, I don't, I don't think we can like eat the frog here. It like has to be super tiny. So she started literally with just a habit of flossing every day. She wanted to floss every day. And she told herself, if I floss every day, then all of a sudden I'm taking action on the thing that I say that I'm going to do. And I become someone who does what she says she's going to do. And I think that's the critical element here. How can you teach yourself and create the habit within yourself to become someone who says they're going to do what they either need to do or does what they say they're going to do? Yeah. I think that's a solid point. My actual thought here is that if, how do I say (laughs) I think the people who have had a bias towards thinking who can create an action. Yes. They are actually the most likely to be, my hypothesis is that they're most likely to be successful because what they're saying about the action bias is that a lot of times you are acting on impulse instead of logic. You're making a decision without all the possible information to consider. You're going down potentially a route that's less effective. But my thought is, (laughs) here I go thinking again, (laughs) that if you have the ability to discern and like really take in the information, if you can train yourself to become the person that will 
take action instead of stew. Yeah. Like how powerful could you be? Yeah. And that's unfortunate because literally in this article, it's saying as a society, we view inaction as wrong. And I'm like, okay. How many times also have we, because we've been aware of this conversation since at least 2019, we've had language around it at least. Yeah. How many times, because there's a big decision that you and I need to make today. Yeah. And that we've been thinking about for many days leading up to today. Today is the deadline that we have given ourselves that we need to finally make a decision. And when we were talking about it last Friday, so just a couple days ago, you said, are we overthinking this because we're scared at like the change and the decision that needs to be made to take action? Or are we giving this the appropriate amount of thinking because this is a big decision and we're, it's helpful that we're giving ourselves a deadline and we're, we're not being beers. We're still ultimately going to be doers. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the line, where the line is of giving things an appropriate amount of time, because that's the biggest element that you and I have learned over the years. When we give, our, give ourselves a little bit of time, not a ton of time, but a little bit of time yeah. to sit with the decision. We sleep on it. We spend the weekend. We do a couple pro con pros. We list it out maybe, but we can't do it to death. And I think that's where you and I are still being like, is this the right thing to do or the lagging thing to do? Well, and so I we're overthinking our overthinking. <laughs> well, sure, but we won't stew on it. We will no, we make won't. a decision and we will move forward with that decision and and we tend to not be people who regret things, in my no. opinion. No. We may see consequences of the decisions we make, and we may not always like them, but that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean we regret the decision. We just no. pivot from wherever place we land. But I'm I'm think so I'm trying to understand here though, like in my head, I'm thinking about, okay, if I am naturally an action taker who over time developed this thinking bias, and I think at this point, I'm probably still sitting in the thinking bias, but because I know the benefits of taking action, I give myself deadlines, I give myself things. I'm wondering though, if you've always had a bias towards thinking, how can you get out of that rut? Like not necessarily removing yourself from it because I do think it adds some superpowers to you, but like how can you develop habits to take action when those have not previously been there? You do, you take action. <laughs> but I, but that's, a, I think that's taking creates a habit. I just feel and, like, and so like you get to pick where the action is being taken, right? So like yeah. Jeff is, was flossing. Sure. Yours can be, I'm going to go on a walk every single day. I sure. am going to meal prep because that's what's actually helpful. And I've been putting it off. I've been overthinking. I am going to put away the laundry or whatever. And I truly believe that small habits outside of business, where we want that habit to be actually developed, help us make that habit within business where we actually want it to be developed as an innate action taker. And as an innate doer, my only advice is ever going to be just take action. I'm not saying it's going to be the right action, that it's going to be easy, that you shouldn't have done something different, but I'm a firm believer that you learn from literally every single thing that you do, not just about that instance, but about yourself and about what you want and about what you don't want. And literally the only way to get that information, to get that data in order to do something differently is to do it. You can 
hypothesize all day long. You can think all day long. And I think as someone who has a lot of overthinkers in my family who are really close to me, who like to ruminate and hypothesize and truly like, you know, we were talking about this, I think it was within coaching the other day, but maybe it was just with us where you have that preemptive anxiety, what we were talking about. Yeah, you're the preemptive anxiety, but it's, oh gosh, you're, go ahead. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But so how our brains don't know the difference between a hypothetical situation and a real situation. And so the hypothetical situation can be stressful, anxiety, whatever we're dreaming up in our head, or it can be positive and amazing and abundant. Your brain doesn't know the difference. And so you're going to have the literal body reactions, stress depression, sadness, excitement, whatever it might be based on the hypothetical scenario that you're picturing. And so you can do that. You can think and you can hypothesize in that sense, but you also need to ask yourself, is it helping you or is it hurting you? And I just like to live in a reality versus a hypothetical world and day. And because I grew up like escaping my things that I didn't want to confront by just dreaming up hypothetical situations that I didn't actually have in my life. And so I think that I am just so adverse to that now because it just brings me down that anxious route that I'm just like, I'm just going to do something and however it falls, it falls and I'll deal with the consequences. But I, the, (laughs) I mean, just to call you out though, I feel like everything you're saying is the bias of someone who has the propensity towards action because yes, you're (laughs) so, but I don't understand how we can shift it towards someone who hasn't had that ability because I don't necessarily think, you know, to them, that's like, that sounds great. I'd love to just be able to do that, but like they're, they're stuck and they're stewing, but I don't know. I, I definitely feel like it's saying the action pieces are coming from the stem of needing to control. Mm-hmm. And by mm-hmm. taking action, we mm-hmm. feel as though we're actually mm-hmm. doing something to forward ourselves or better yep. our situation. Yep. And so feeling like we can change something yep. feels better to us than yep. in action. That's what I'm saying is as an innate doer, my only advice will ever be just do something then. Sure. So I don't know. I don't know. I, know. <laughs> I just don't know if that's thing is healthy. Start walking every day. Go yeah. flush your teeth. Do meal prep. If it can't be about business, then don't make it about business. But hopefully those habits will connect over time. But my thing all the time is going to be send the email, write the post, send the invoice, change your bio, like do the thing, do the thing to take a tiny step towards it. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I know. No, it's definitely what I know. I think even if we've created more hesitations or we've taken more time, it's still... Do you think that the more successful we are, the more thinkers we're going to be? I think the more... I don't think it has anything to do with success. I think the more fears we have, the more we feel like we aren't equipped with the right information then we will likely go there. But it makes me wonder if it's because that's where we go when we're feeling ill-equipped or unhealthy. But that's interesting. That's what I mean. Because to me, success, not in the sense of, oh my God, we're making so much money and now we're thinking everything. To me, the more successful you are, the more you have to lose, the more complicated your business is, the more grown up your business is. So therefore, the more there is that you don't know. 
So therefore, I think that we will lend into more of the thinking side of things because we don't feel equipped to scale it, grow it, handle it, maintain it, whatever, because it's bigger than we ever thought. I mean, yeah, I think in this situation, it's it's choosing to be in the race rather than sideline yourself. So like, right. we may become more of the, you've mentioned the tortoise and the hare many times, we may become the tortoise in this situation where we're like, really like being strategic about the moves we're making, where we're not necessarily irrationally just taking action, taking action, taking action. But we're not sidelining ourselves right. and just watching the race happen. We are yeah, still Yeah, I guess there's a third forward. player in this game. And that's what I'm saying. And I'm saying, mm-hmm. I think there's people we've called beers that are actually spectating. Because mm-hmm. the tortoise is still doing, y'all. They're He's in, still in the race. I know. And I so I think there's... Did we just rewrite this whole concept? Did we just come up with this? <laughs> I'm trademarking this right now. Stop it. I think there's likely many people that don't consider themselves action takers that actually are. Agreed. Because the action is slow. Or the, the action is slow. slow. But they still have a propensity towards action mm-hmm. rather than inaction. But mm-hmm. I'm just like wondering, I want to know why they're more likely to be happy or more likely to be more successful or more likely to be I mean, my only theory behind that is that even if the results aren't what they wanted, they're still results. And a thinker, if there's literally never any action taken, there's never any result. And so is it actually the thing that this is coming down to is it doesn't matter what you achieve in life as long as you try to do something? I mean, isn't that what we were taught as children? Right. Where it's like, even if you didn't reach the goals, if you did something, you're still going to be happier with yourself than if you didn't. That's what everyone says, right? Is on your deathbed. But, it, or you but gonna... is that true? I think it is. I don't think there's going to be a single person out there who is a doer and who even took all the wrong action and wakes up and is like, man, I wish I hadn't done that. And I just thought about it instead. Even if they blew up their whole fucking life. You know what I mean? It's just mind-boggling to me, really. (laughs) Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I think that other people will try to put you in a box, you know, and say, well, this is who you are. And I'm like, but it's not. You and I both, at the end of the day, regardless of how like thought provoking mm-hmm. the questions are, we are still going to keep moving forward. Yes. Always. Yeah. yeah. But I am definitely a, I have a bias towards thinking or I'm a beer in other aspects of my life, not business related. And I've talked about this but with does Jess. Does that keep you trapped? So I don't feel trapped necessarily. So I don't know if you have to feel trapped in order to be trapped. That's a question. Mm-hmm. Um, but mine has always been around like changing health habits regarding food or working out. And specifically the working out piece being like, Take, dedicating to take the time out of my day to do it and or taking the time to like drive to a studio, work out, invest the money. It's worth it. My beer sense in that is we shouldn't spend the money on that because it's not worth it. Um, I don't deserve to take time out of my work day to go do this, even if I have the energy right now to do it. I don't it, it would it's too extravagant to hire like a personal trainer or 
a dietitian to help me figure out some food plans and goals that all of that is just extra and it's not worth it. And I should just be able to figure it out myself. And if I just research more and think about it more then the answer will come and then maybe I'll do something about it. But I never, I know that I never will. But is it because you actually value other areas of your life more and that's why you're taking action in those areas? But shouldn't that be the point is that you're able to take action in areas that you even don't value as much as others? No, I don't think so at all. I think the, cause that's a learned behavior. Like that's not something I think you're born with. Ugh, I wish I could remember the term, but there's this specific term that talks about your likelihood to keep promises and whether they're internal or external. But when we're talking about work more often than not, while it can feel like it's promises towards yourself, it's not like, no, I keep more promises external than internal absolutely. every single and day. So, but if that's how you react, then of course your business is more successful than quote unquote, your like health. health. Right. Because you're, unless you were faced with, in my opinion, like something that was going to threaten like my health mm-hmm. and like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. unless your health was to the point that it was going to hurt other people, it's not going to be the thing that you prioritize. But that still seems unhealthy to me. <laughs> I don't disagree, but that's not, I think that's, I think that's just another form of bias. Like it, if you're more likely to keep promises towards other people, you're going to keep building up that community and you're going to keep taking care of everyone else. And like, whether that hurts you or not is technically your choice. But that's what I mean though, is like, shouldn't you then value those things just as much as the other things, knowing that you don't keep promises to yourself? I feel like you I valued it more than you would give it more action. Can't I don't know, you, I don't do know you how you, that you can give everything in your life and business the same amount of action. I don't think that's literally possible. I think in the same way we talk about there's no such thing as balance, it's sort of that thought of, well, you set your priorities and whatever remains your priority does technically win. Mm -hmm. And so like, it doesn't mean you're stuffing your face with junk food and like going off the deep end, right? but you may not mean you exercise every day. And so like... I think so Jess pointed out something and I think this is taking it next level deep, but Mm -hmm. I'd still like, I always love her perspectives. So I've talked to her about this multiple times because I'm in the bias of thinking towards that entire arena of my life. And so her perspective is, okay, well, if you are someone who, you know, your business is successful, your friendships are successful. Your relationship is successful. Like as in my marriage, your parenting is successful. If all of these things are relatively successful and it, for, for me, they might not be to you, but for me, they are. Do I always have to be the person that's like, Oh, but this thing over here, I'm, I'm not good at because innately there has to be something that's not thriving. I don't think you have to be that way. That might be, you might point that out because society has said that you can't be happy in every in area. all areas. And so I don't think that's necessarily a you thing so much as it's a taught thing. Right. Because we've had we've had sideline conversations of like just being around so many people for so long, especially growing up, 
where like everything was always a problem in every area of life. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's like, we don't complain about it. (laughs) No, but that's the thing. It's like, if you've just been, if you've just watched people complain about their spouses and their relationships Mm -hmm. and, and work and da, 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 da. And it's like, Oh no, I'm actually really happy with this thing over here. Well, of course your taught behavior is that you have to complain about something. Right. And so, but I think in my opinion, there may absolutely be things that are getting your less attention, but that doesn't mean you're upset about them or it doesn't mean that like they're a problem. Mm -hmm. Like health to your point is not my main focus at the moment, but I'm not over here being like, Oh, it's falling apart and (laughs) I'm fat and I need a whole new wardrobe. And like, no, like if I kept doing that, I would feel like shit all the time. Like I work really hard on the weekends and plant plants, but like, I don't necessarily need to work out every day in this season, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think to your point, a lot of that is pressure from the outside. I don't necessarily think that's who you are. I do think there's one thing that will win, but I think that's just the law of like time. Like you just literally can't give everything 100%. I heard someone say, well, if you give everything 100%, then you're that's the road to burnout. Because literally, how can you give 200% of yourself to anything? You literally can't. So like- If work's getting 80, then you have 20% left to divide up amongst everything else. And if you're giving more than that, then technically you're right. You're over your output. Hmm. So if you technically only have a threshold, I think more likely is that as an action taker, you've probably been taught to function above your technical threshold. Mm -hmm. And so you start to question if you're doing the right things when you drop down to what's technically a normal amount Mm -hmm. of effort. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, and I definitely found myself like when I paid for a studio membership that I like had to reserve a spot in a class for, I never not showed up. Like I always went because it was a, I viewed it as an outside external promise to someone else. Yeah. Well, you, the person teaching the class, if they, if you weren't there, that would be frustrating to them. If you filled the spot and someone else couldn't be in the class because you filled the spot and then you weren't there, that's disappointment to them. I totally get that. And I think there's ways <laughs> that you actually utilize mm-hmm. that to be the kind of pressure you need based on what you're wanting or looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I made our business about me, right. <laughs> I right. just clearly like it wouldn't be right. I, I mean, half, half of it literally might even be as crazy. This sounds you and I having a partner, maybe that, a massive that, part of it. Cause it, well, and that's why when we talk to our incubator clients about like, I get you might be nervous or anxious about growing a team and feel like it's really overwhelming, but I promise you having one, at least one other person in your, in your corner can help you hold yourself accountable like no other in, in all the best ways. And I think we've been asked so many times, you know, how have you guys grown in the way that you've grown and how have you guys you know, seeing the results that you've gotten over the years. And it's not innately like, oh, it's because our superpowers come together and we can just take over the world and we're so smart together and all these things. There's definitely aspects of that, but it's truly because I show up because you're there, because Mm -hmm. I can't not do this thing over here and I can't wait 
it put, keep pushing this thing over here. And as our team has grown, that's come even more. Deadlines have held even firmer than they've had in the past because yeah. there's more than, because even with you, it's super easy to just be like, I'm not doing this or I'm going to push this or whatever. Yeah. And we've had that relationship over the years. But when there's members of our team that are waiting on me to do something so they can do something over here, I'm going to do that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. So this other thing popped up when I was looking into this and it was saying that, okay, so you and I have said, I don't know if there's actually such a thing as a negative or positive and like, really, we can make something a superpower or not. This is saying that we can have cognitive cold bias or cognitive hot bias, cold meaning mental noise or hot being motivational. Say more words. I don't necessarily have <laughs> more words necessarily. So like noisy information, meaning it requires more processing, I would assume. But I'm like wanting to investigate more. Honestly, if I could just have a psychology degree without going to school, that would be fantastic. <laughs> okay. So, well, this is cold cognition working memory and verbal learning, things that are developed in childhood, performance considered to be a fairly stable representation of a person's general cognitive abilities. That still doesn't answer any of my questions. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'd have to read this entire article. But this, I think this is where, okay, so hot cognition refers to cognition that involves social or emotional aspects. So cold is working memory and verbal learning. Hot is social and emotional. So common examples of hot cognition are reward learning and risk-taking. So action. But I'm wondering, though, if part of why we reward action uh -huh. is because psychologically speaking, there's more going on when it's hot. You know what I'm saying? Like you're more turned on. I feel like when you're in processing mode like that's just seen as less which is just crazy like you have to have all of the above like yeah, I've so this is super interesting it's saying how there's literally different parts of our brain have activity when we're doing cold cognition task versus hot cognition task yeah and and cold cognition task are there's more activity in the prefrontal cortex for those who are affected and unaffected by de depression. So there's just different levels of activity. And then cold cognition relies primarily on the central executive network, whereas hot cognition relies on additionally relies on the default mode network. So it highlights slightly different brain regions in completing tasks that fall into those two categories. So like literally, if you have any sort of mental health, anything, ADD, ADHD, autism, anxiety, depression, anything, those are obviously going to be affected by literal areas in your brain that have activity yeah. when you're doing different acti different activities yeah. and tasks. So then it says, when we understand these differences, we can learn what happens when we have some difficulty executing them. So ultimately, go see a therapist. Well, I mean, <laughs> oh, that's always my answer. Always my answer. I think without knowing all the research that goes into this, one, I'm going to just assume that if you are someone who has a bias towards thinking instead of a bias towards action, 
It's definitely not as simple as Emily was saying. It's just do it. I really do something. I really think there's something else there. I don't know what it is, but I definitely think there's something else there. I also want to like reward those. I want to reward it though, because it's unfortunate that society sees one as better versus the other. But I think I understand why. I think it's because someone with that propensity towards action is more likely to go down this like hot cognition route where they Which also are- says that if when you're living in hot cognition or you're making decisions in that arena, you have a faster processing time than in cold cognition. Right. You're going to be moving. You're going to be... You're that gonna processing be, leads to action. <laughs> yeah. And so you're going to keep going. Not that you can't... You have... You are literally required to use different parts of your brain mm-hmm. for different mm-hmm. things. So I'm not saying that you're living in one place or the other, but I think I'm wondering if it's similar to, you know, how they say if you're more left brain or more right brained, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. one's more artistic and one's more logical. I'm wondering if there's something about literally like front versus right. back. Right. Because I feel like there has to be, I feel like there has to be, and I'm wondering also what caused someone to lean more way one way or the other. The thing that I want to remind you is that action is actually the bias that like from evolutionarily speaking is the more rewarded one because action yeah. meant you got up and ran when you had a threat. You right. Know what I mean? Instead of thinking about the threat. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so it was a survival mechanism and i would i'm going to just put a guess out there that if you developed action you likely had early childhood trauma mm-hmm. because you sought to move away from or out of a situation and then that becomes a cycle for you i'm just but i feel like there's got to be superpowers for these people And I want to give you, I want to arm you with your superpowers. Mm -hmm. Like that's my mission. But the real quick takeaway that I'm getting from reading a little bit more into this article, it's super helpful, is even if we can't conceptualize right now totally what is hot or cold cognition, a lot of it has to do with the state of our being when we're doing tasks. So like how we're literally feeling determines whether we're making hot cognition or cold cognition if that's the activity that we're laying in. So it says, if you've ever done any pen and paper computerized cognitive task yourself, whether it's research or just for fun, you may have noticed that the emotion and social context absolutely played a role in how well you did. Maybe you were feeling sad and felt like your processing speed was slower than normal. Or maybe someone was watching over your shoulder and you felt pressure to perform really well. It's not a reasonable assumption that anyone completing any kind of task does does not have some kind of emotional context that they're bringing to the table. And so I just find that really interesting in the, in the, I think this then can circle back to like the toxic positivity that's been happening a lot and being called out a lot of like, if we're just staying abundant and joy and happy, are we then just taking action because we're not processing the actual feelings that we're feeling? Oh, (laughs) yes. Yes. I'm sure there are absolutely times when I've done something because I didn't want to process. I'm yes. kidding. That's like a yes. huge part of my personality. 
(laughs) No, I've done a lot better at it. And I've done a lot better at processing while it's happening instead of, you know, waiting 15 years and then trying to uncover and (laughs) feel your inner child. Now, I want to kind of seal this conversation on with some traps around action. Cause I think it'd be easy to say as two people who have this bias anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> and who've seen what it can unlock for people. Cause I do think we surround ourselves with a lot of action takers. I do want you guys to be aware of some traps that you could fall into. And there's just a couple, but the first one is around solutions that don't actually solve problems. <laughs> So you basically build something, you create something, but you're just really perpetuating the same reality in a different way. Yeah. I think this is where we see a lot of small businesses get stuck where they, they get to a certain point and they don't know how to get past that certain point. And so that they rebuilt they like literally do the same thing all over again, thinking mm-hmm. that's going to solve their problem, but it's not solving their actual problem. It's just it's just taking over. you longer to get back to the same wall that you're at right now. Right, 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 right. The trap number two is that there's no time for a strategy. And I think if Emily and I have learned anything about action, it's that, yeah, you can absolutely make a movement right then and there. And you can make choices as a follow-up to that. But I think as your business grows, it affects more people. And Mm -hmm. so because it affects more people, you're going to, A, you have to move slower because you literally just can't, like you're not as agile anymore. Mm -hmm. But I do think strategy, like it's literally the title of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's a strategy hour, babes. (laughs) We really value what it means to slow down and look at what consequences could this create? And do I like the the motion that that would move me towards? Mm -hmm. And I have seen, I I absolutely know action takers that do not slow down. And Mm -hmm. when they don't slow down, they're they're not consulting. Yeah. You They're- know, you got some reflecting to do when two action takers over here are saying, okay, how about we take a pause? <laughs> Cause I've said that in coaching before and I'm like, let's take a minute. <laughs> yeah. If we're saying pause, it's because we know the consequence of not. Uh-huh. And I think that leads to trap number three, making irreversible decisions without crucial input. Yeah. And Which is why we really try to focus on what is it going to affect? Who is it going to impact? Is the, do we like the long-term decision of this? But I think this also applies in your personal life. I've, I've seen friends make literally irreversible decisions and it's hard to watch sometimes. So I'm a think before you act, act consistently. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in the beginning, you may have to act more consistently more often, but as you grow, the action is bigger strokes of action, but slower. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Strokes is the right word. (laughs) I'm swimming at this point. I'm no longer a turtle. I'm I'm gliding through the water, Emily. Glide (laughs) with me here. Okay. Do I need to make a flying analogy? I could go there too. You're either the turtle in the current from Nemo. Yeah. Or you're the turtle who's in your own speed. (laughs) 
Well, but I think the turtle at the beginning, you gotta you gotta swim out to the current and then you mm-hmm. can ride the current. And mm-hmm. then sometimes you gotta jump off and assess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then you can hop back in if you want. <laughs> yeah. Right? That makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, okay. Truly, I hope that you can see though that even if we don't have all the answers, we are absolutely interested in what decisions and what boundaries you need to create so that you can create the life and lifestyle that you want. And that Mm -hmm. includes us investigating why does an action taker more likely to be happy? We're absolutely going to do more digging on that Mm -hmm. because we want you to see contentment. We want you to see success. We want you to be making sustainable amounts of money And so all this is coming from a place of us caring about your future. And so I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're interested in diving deeper into this topic, definitely send us a DM over at Boss Project. We'd love to chat more about your business and what actions you're kind of scared of taking on next. We'd love to kind of talk through with you what the the next steps could look like and give you some, some different lenses of opportunity and talk through what you could do next. Cause we've seen a lot and we would love to see what could be next for you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache, join the co-op, our creative template shop membership with thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.